Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. God, you are good. We will take to heart the word that was spoken and redeem the time. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I told Brother Ernest I was going to get Brother Jeremy when I got up here. He asked if anybody had checked the time. I didn't check the time. The Bible says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Since I didn't check the time for him, I expect the time to not be checked. No, I'm just kidding. Feels good in here, doesn't it? God is doing a work. You know, he has restored some things. I remember growing up, and uh, there would be times where you didn't want to leave the house of God. You didn't want to leave the presence of God. And it would go on, and, you know, that was when we had two services, and one was in the evening. I believe it started at 6 o'clock. People wouldn't want to leave. And we have felt that in this revival. There are times where I believe Brother Brent was up here. Brother, uh, it was either Brother Brent or uh, Reverend uh, Sandoval. And, and they were ministering. And, and, and the people were up here. And nobody wanted to leave. You could tell. People still wanted to bask in the presence of God. And I believe that God has brought that back to a greater degree than before. And I do not believe, I know I'm the last one and I will be respectful of your time, but I do not believe that God is done yet. I believe that he still has something to say and I believe that he is going to strengthen us for what's to come. Amen? Amen. I give honor to the, uh, the, the ministry here. Those that have gone before me, Reverend Sandoval, he, he, he gives his wife honor. I just want to, on his behalf, I'll hoot for her. Woo! Bless God. Reverend Sandoval, isn't he awesome? He has such a great spirit. Love his family. He wore a new suit as well. He's a preacher. I believe God has tied everything together. I, I give the ministry honor, the, the Hildebrands, um, what God is doing through them. Love them. We appreciate brother and sister Hildebrand and their family and what God is doing through sister Kristen with the intercessor team. We give the intercessor team honor. I give them honor. I give them honor this morning. We must have it. Give honor to the church staff. We love our church staff and what God has brought together. Even though pieces are moving, God knows what he's doing. I appreciate them. I give them honor this morning. Give honor to the Reverend Massey. Love Brother Massey. He's a mighty man. Love Sister Massey, the prophetess. She's a real woman, as Brother Massey has said before. Give honor to the little prophetessita. We love her. Love her. That girl has some personality. Y'all don't be fooled by these quiet ones. They ain't, they ain't so quiet. Ain't that right, sister? <laughs> her mama agrees. Give honor to my parents this morning. I love my parents. 
We would not be the young ladies that we are, my sister and I, if not for them. I give them honor. Give honor to the first lady for who she is and what she does and the holiness that she represents. Love you, girl. And I give honor to my bishop, the man of God for this church, with his purple shirt. Hallelujah. He gives of his time in ways that people don't see. This is not a job to him. This is a calling. And I thank him for the life that he leads, that he he gives of himself. And he loves every single one of you. I know that. Uh, you can remain standing. You can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. I was going to try to sign and give my sister honor, but didn't quite learn all the words, so. I'll give her a break today. Don't y'all love Sister Hannah Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> Whew, she's a piece of work. But she's my sister, so I can say that. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. The scripture reads in the King James Version, sister. I like the King James Version. We'll get to the Bishop James Version in a little bit. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of of God. If you could put your Bibles down all over the building and lift your hands, I'm going to ask the man of God to pray over this last portion of this service. In the name of Jesus, Lord, your word is anointed. Your female servant is anointed. I'm asking that you anoint us as the body of believers to hear, receive, and comprehend thy word. God, I pray that your word go forth in liberty. Let it prosper where it's sent today. Let our hearts be good ground. God, I plead the blood against any distractions that have come to the ears of those that's listening at the sound of her voice. God, let your will be done in this last portion of the ministry of your word. We give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, you can put your hands together as you are being seated. God, we thank you in advance. With the help of the Lord, it won't be long, hopefully. Bless God. But, you know, y'all want to linger, right? 
just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. With the help of the Lord, I, I'm going to try to deliver um, this thought. Be not ashamed. Be not ashamed. Um, we picked up here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And 2 Timothy is a continuation of 1 Timothy where Paul is speaking. Paul is actually writing a letter to Timothy. And um, this is a passage of scripture that is very familiar um, to a lot of us. We've heard this, uh, I would say, uh, several times in the past year, um, a reference to this of how uh, Paul is telling Timothy to remember the gift that was instilled into him by the putting on of his hands. It's a word of encouragement. It's a word of instruction. And he goes on to tell Timothy, God has not given him the spirit of fear. We just heard that with Reverend Sandoval. We should not have the spirit of fear in our lives, even though that is a tactic of the enemy to use against us. But that does not come from God. God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind. And he goes on in verse 8 to say, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. There's going to be times where the enemy is going to come against you and is going to try to make you feel shame for the testimony of our Lord. It's going to try to put you into a place where you feel disgraced because of the testimony of the Lord. But I'm telling you, be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me his prisoner. And he goes on to say, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Right there, it breaks down into meaning you are going to join together with me, not just with me, but with other believers and be a partaker of the afflictions that are coming. These afflictions are sufferings. They are trials. They are tribulations. They are hardships that you are going to have to endure. But it's for the gospel's sake. And the beauty about the gospel is you're not in this by yourself. You are joining into a union of believers, a church that is gathering together. If we're going to go through something, we're going through it together. Be thou partaker of these afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. It's something that is necessary. It is something that we've learned, some of us, the hard way. You see, I grew up in church. I, I had the honor of sitting on the pew and, and seeing what it was like to live for God from a young age. But that does not disqualify me from going through things in my life that would try to discourage me from being a partaker of the afflictions because it gets tough and sometimes it gets it's dark. And so the enemy would try to use that to tell you it's not worth it. But there are those of you in here that you may have just entered. 
entered into this way of life or you're thinking about it and you're contemplating it, I will be real with you this morning that it's not always going to be easy because the enemy knows once you've made up your mind to live for God, he puts a target on your back because he says that vessel is against me. That vessel is against my kingdom and I will do what it takes to try to make them fall. The enemy puts a target on your back and and he'll try to make it seem like it's just not worth the trouble of going through the afflictions of this world. It's not worth it to go through the hardships that's going to come your way. But Paul said, these are part, these are necessary to suffer through for the sake of the gospel. He goes on to say in verse 9, and I'm trying to get to verse 12. He says, who hath saved us? He's talking about God. The power of God has saved us. Called us with an holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Sometimes you want to come into this truth and you have your own ideas of what you're going to do for God. But you've got to let God do what he wants to do with you and your dreams and and your plans and your future. Because nobody can take you to a place of greatness in God like God can. Nobody can heal your body like God can. No one can take you to dimensions in the place of the world that God can for his glory. According to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God had a plan for you before you were even born, before you were even formed in your mother's womb. The Lord saw you and he said, I have designated them for my perfect will. Verse 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel will illuminate things in our life that need to be addressed. The gospel will show us the way when it seems like there is no way. The gospel will give direction when we feel like we are lost. The gospel is key for what we are fixing to deal with in this world and the places that we're going to go. We cannot forget to love the gospel, to appreciate the gospel of which we stand on. Verse 11, where to the gospel, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And he goes on to say in verse 12, for the which cause the gospel, I also suffer. That means to experience a sensation or impression. It's usually painful. Another word that can be used there is vexed. For the which cause I also am vexed. Vexed by these things. 
Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Nevertheless, I am not embarrassed. Nevertheless, I am not humiliated for the sake of the gospel. Though I might go through some things that will cause me pain. Why? Why, Paul? How can you say this? For I know, I understand whom I have believed. I know who I have put my faith in. I know who I have committed my life and my mind and my will to. I know who I have entrusted my future with. And because of the things that I've already been through, I am persuaded that he is able, that he is capable, that he is mighty enough to keep, to watch, to preserve my soul. He goes on to say that which I have committed, that which I have deposited unto him against that day, that day that is here, that day that is evil, Reverend Hillebrand, that day that is dark, that day where the enemy seems to come in like a flood from every corner against that day, God will preserve. He will watch. He will keep you. Here's the key, verse 13. Hold fast. Whatever you've got to do to possess and to maintain it in your hand, the form of sound words. The form means it's like a pattern, a sketch for you to imitate, for you to copy. Hold fast. The pattern of sound, that means true in doctrine. It's uncorrupted words, and that is Logos words. The teachings that go forward here. The instructions that is given regarding the word. The breakdown and the revelation of the word that goes fr forth from this pulpit. We are to hold fast to its form. Hold fast to the patterns that have been set here. We cannot forget them if God moves us somewhere else. We have to maintain it. We have to keep it within our grasp. And we have to live it because it is that which will keep us. He goes on to say, which thou has heard of me. The apostle Paul is telling Timothy, those things that I have taught and I have spoken and I have preached, you hold fast to that pattern and faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. I'll give you an example of being ashamed and how powerful the spirit of fear can be. We see it in the word of God ourselves. When Peter promised and he said, Lord, I will not deny you. I promise 
Anything that comes against you, God, is going to come against me. Jesus, I, I will never, never deny you in front of people. I'll always follow you. It's so easy to say that amongst your fellow believers, his fellow disciples, about to be apostles. It's so easy to to live for God when you're surrounded by people of like mind and like faith. It's easy to lift your hands and worship when you're in church. It's easy to get behind the preacher when you're sitting in the pew. You're surrounded by other people of like faith. But yet, when there was some distance between him and the Lord and The soldiers came, and they were searching for Jesus, and Judas betrayed him. The Bible says that Peter followed, but he kept his distance. Because suddenly the the rubber meets the road. The soldiers are coming to Jesus and you're standing next to him or you're around him, fear can grab hold. They're doing this to him. What are they going to do to me? Then you start to really evaluate what your life means, what your next breath means. What about your future? Don't you have all these plans? And so he goes on and Jesus is taken captive and they're questioning him. And Peter's following along, and people begin to look at him, and they begin to to see because he, he had a close enough relationship with Jesus Christ to know who he was. And he knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He was God manifest, revealed, made known, shown in the flesh. But when Jesus was taken captive and they begin to accuse Peter, you were with him too. Just hearing you talk, I know that you were with that man. Weren't you with him? Oh, no. I don't even know. I don't know who he's talking about. Who that? I don't know who, who that is. No, I, I don't. I don't know him. No, no. You, you got me. You got me mixed up with somebody else. You know. You know how they say everybody has a twin in the world. That's what you're seeing. That ain't me. Then you have person number two, uh, and and in in the midst of a crowd. Hey, weren't you with Jesus too? Your speech it kind of reminds me of that man. Oh no. I don't know him. And then the third time, and then he gets really upset because the pressure is building. The intimidation is building. And the spirit of fear begins to get a hold of him. And he begins to feel ashamed of his connection to Jesus. And he begins to curse and to swear and say, I don't know the man. 
This is what we're dealing with in our day and age. There's something we now call cancel culture. God forbid that you go against what everybody portrays as the right way to think and the right way to behave. God forbid that you make a stand for truth when all the other churches are doing something different. God forbid that you look different than everybody else. God forbid that your speech is different than anybody else because the world will tell you, I'll cancel you if you do that and they'll try to make you ashamed. But I believe that there are people in this house today that says I will not be ashamed of my God and my healer. I will not be ashamed. I've come to let the enemy know you can bring whatever you want against this church. You can try to tear down our reputation. You can try to disqualify us in the eyes of social media and TV, but I will not back down. I will not take a step back. I will stand on the firm word of God. We're not going to be ashamed to lift our hands. We're not going to be ashamed to do our dance in the church house. We're not going to be ashamed to live right in the eyes of God. And it may not be popular with the world, but I've come to let the world know you do not have any say over my future. You did not die on a cross for me. You did not wash away my sins. You do not hold my life in your hands. Joshua 24, there's two more passages of scripture I want to get to. We'll try to follow the Lord in this. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, you can just hold that spot there. Let me give you the context behind this because I have realized and Reading the word of God in my daily reading. I love the epistles. And I love, you know, it's amazing how God talks to us in different ways. I, I think sister, I think it was sister Kimberly that, you know, the prophetess and sister Kristen and sister Kim, they like to use those, those old prophets and, you know, Ezekiel and brother Jeremy too, for Ezekiel and. I remember God, how Sister Kimberly said that God told her, you know, go to the book of Jose. Look something up. I told Bishop God could not talk to me like that. Because I would have been like, there's a, there's a Jose? He would have been like, forget it. Let me go talk to somebody else. God talks to us in different ways. I'm thankful for that. Amen? I know what y'all are thinking. You need to study your word a little bit more. Memorize them books of the Bible. I'll leave that to Sister Sandy. Joshua chapter 24. This is Joshua going back, and Joshua was the successor to Moses. The beauty about uh, some of the scriptures or some of the books in the Old Testament is it, it 
almost feels like it's redundant. You're, you're reading the same thing over and over, but a lot of times they're rehashing the history of Israel. It's important that we know and we remember where we came from. Because through that process, Joshua reminded them that everything that they had been through in the wilderness and God brought them out, God used it, their struggles and their trials and their tribulations and the fights that they had to go through to get to where they were to test them, to prove them for what was to come. It's important that we remember those things, that we don't forget them. But here it is, Joshua, he's gathered the tribes of Israel. The the scripture says to Shechem. And he's calling for the elders and um, calls for the, the heads of Israel and the judges and the officers. And they present themselves before God. And he begins to recount the history of Israel. And so he goes on and tells them, he reminds them about how Abraham was called out from his family and he was led to Canaan. And then, you know, Isaac was born and then Jacob and Esau uh, followed after. Then we have Moses and Aaron and there's the plagues in Egypt. There's a great exodus from Egypt where God delivers them from the Egyptians. The Egyptians are destroyed via the Red Sea. Then there's, they go on their, their journey through the wilderness and And there's deliverance from Balaam's attempt, we heard about that this morning, uh, to curse um, the children of Israel up under the king of Moab's edict. And and they were delivered every single time. The scripture says that they crossed Jordan and came to Jericho. and, And he reminds them of how they fought the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And every single time the Lord had delivered them into their hand. And he goes on to tell them, just a reminder, a land that was given to them was coming for which they did not labor. Cities were built that they did not build. There was vineyards and olive yards that were planted that they did not plant. All because of the promises of the Lord. That's the mercy and the grace of God. Sometimes to allow us to walk into promises where we will look at our situation and realize I don't quite deserve this. I haven't done everything in my life that would make me worthy of this. But God says if you would just follow my will and go where I tell you to go and do what I tell you to do and say what I tell you to say, all of this will be yours for which you did not labor, for which you did not work, for which you did not put your feet down and and draw the ground and plant seeds. It's prepared for you. He says to put away, he's telling them, Because of all this history and where God has brought you from till now, I'm telling you to put away the gods that your fathers served. Because if you will recall that there were time 
times in their journey that they would turn from the one true God and they would begin to serve the gods of the people of that area, the gods of the people of that land. They knew better, but they still did it. And so he was reminding them, not one inch of that should remain in their spirit. Put away the gods that your fathers served. Verse 15. And you know this. The scripture reads, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, if it's going to afflict you and cause you some sort of displeasure to serve the Lord, if you can't find it in yourself to be associated with the Lord and his service because of the afflictions that will come, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But Joshua said this, you choose this day whom you are going to serve. But I have made up my mind and I have settled it in my heart. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will commit ourselves. We will sacrifice to do the service of the Lord wherever it calls us to. Whatever sacrifice we have to give up, we will serve the Lord. Is anybody on that page this morning? I don't care what the world says or how much they talk bad about me and my church and my bishop. But today, enemy, I've come to let you know I choose to serve the Lord. Can you give God a great praise? Oh, God, we give you glory. Because you are great. You are mighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Second Timothy chapter 2. This is going to be my last passage here. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, verse 1. Paul's writing, encouraging Timothy. Still the more. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. It's important. Submission is important. You see, Timothy had to pass along the things that he was taught of by Paul. He couldn't just keep it to himself. He had to instill it in other men. 
God's going to reach this world. He needs vessels to use. That's why we have a bishop that follows the Lord. Even when it hurts, even when it costs us something, it may cost us the comfort of leaving home. But there's a world that has to be reached. And God says, I need a vessel to take this message down there because I have people who are hungry. He goes on to say, thou therefore endure hardness. You're going to have to go through some things. It's going to hurt. There's going to be pain. It's going to be more than just discomfort. Timothy, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, as a good warrior for the Lord. The Bible says, and I, I can't quite remember, I'm, my mind has been in 10 different places for the past few days, so forgive me if I'm saying somebody said something and they didn't, but with Reverend Sandoval's ministry of the word, which is so powerful, you, you know, in that scripture, in their building that wall, they were equipped as they were building that wall. They had a sword in their hand. They had spears at their side. Because we are soldiers. We are warriors for the name of Jesus Christ. You can't be a warrior without going through a fight. Verse 4, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If you're going to be all about the Father's business, if you're going to serve him with your soul and your mind and all your strength, you can't be worried about the things of this life, what the world would deem as success and, and showing that you are taking care of your family. You can't entangle yourself and get distracted with a certain amount of income, a certain career path, because God says, I need you for a purpose, and that will do nothing but entangle you and ensnare you and trip you up and prevent you from doing my will. Well, but you've got to allow him to be your everything. Hop down to verse 7. Actually, verse 9. 9 through 13. He says, wherein I suffer trouble. You see, Timothy, Paul is saying, I suffer trouble for the gospel I suffer trouble as an evildoer in the eyes of the world who doesn't understand and they don't understand the spirit that is behind them. Sometimes we think it's just family that's attacking us. Sometimes we just think it's because they, they, don't, they disagree and they have a different stance. There's a spirit that is behind these attacks that have come and that are coming. And people are not even aware of what's attached to them. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evil doer, even unto bonds. But let me encourage you, Timothy. The word of God is not bound. God is not a liar. 
God is incapable of lying. And so even though I suffer trouble, I suffer persecution and adversity, where they look at me as an evil doer. But the word, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We can look at some people and what they have been through. And I know I'm not the only one, but we look at them and they are such a testimony to us because despite the hardships and despite the tribulations and despite the deaths of a loved one, they're still living for God. They're still loving God. They're still trusting God. They're still giving God the glory, even though they've been through. Paul said, you'll go through some things for the elect's sake so they can look at you and see if they've been through it and they've made it. I can too. Is there any witness in the house? You've been through some things and the enemy counted you out. He marked you off as a success in his book. But God said, I will let them make it through. I will preserve them. And you're still here. And you're still standing. And you're still giving God the praise. He's faithful. He's faithful. He goes on to say, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Scripture also says to fear not the one that can kill the body. God may allow them to do some things to us physically, but God holds all power in his hands. He holds death in his hand. And if God says he'll raise you up, he will. You may be on the brink of death in your life, in your situation, but God will raise you up. If we suffer, if we persevere, if we bear trials and endure, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny him, if we refuse him, he also will deny us. Verse 13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. The faithfulness of God is not contingent, does not waver. If you don't believe him, if, if you deny him, it doesn't change who God is. doesn't change his faithfulness. Because he cannot deny himself. When God gives a word, the Lord will do it. He is a promise keeper. He is a way maker. He works the impossible to what you and I would deem impossible. But if we are going to experience that with the Lord, 
We have to endure some things for the elect's sake. I'm coming to a close. Scripture has given us Paul as an example in 2 Timothy. Paul was a mighty man. You look at Paul and what he'd been through, and I don't know if I would want to go through some of that stuff. The crazy thing is Paul was loved by his peers. He had standing amongst the Pharisees. He had influence. He had position. I wouldn't be surprised if Paul had wealth because of his standing amongst the brethren. They loved Paul when Paul was doing things that they thought was right and appropriate. They had nothing but support for Paul when he was persecuting the church because it was portrayed as the right standing to have. And Paul followed along with it. So Paul was loved by his peers. But when he was converted, things changed. Suddenly he lost his standing amongst his peers in the public eye. Suddenly he began to experience persecution. Something that he was on the opposite side of before. He was hated. He was ridiculed. He was beaten. There was conspiracies against him to kill him. Got to the point where his colleagues talked about him so much, their hatred for him, that they wanted him to die. They did not want Paul to succeed in what he was doing because he was going against the mainstream, if you will. He was on the other side of what was deemed popular. He had the wrong ideology that was not deemed appropriate and acceptable in their eyes. But Paul said, despite all that, I will not be ashamed with what's to come, what has already started. I mentioned to Bishop, I seen an article where after, soon after, I want to say a couple days after the inauguration, there was an article in Tennessee about the governor saying we needed to shut the churches down. Because, you know, they're singing and they're gathering together. It's just, it's affecting and worsening the results of the pandemic. So we'll keep Walmart open. We'll keep Target open. Maybe we'll put some restrictions on the hours, but we'll shut the church down. We'll give funding to Planned Parenthood. We'll support all these other causes that go against the word of God, but we'll shut the church down. 
And God is saying, I'm looking for a church. They've already been through some things. But I want them to stand firm on my word and be not ashamed of the cause. Be not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be not ashamed of the name of Jesus. We've experienced a little taste of it. We have not experienced what I believe is to come. But I will be like... I believe it was Sister Kimberly. I'm probably going to mess this story up. My sister told me how, and I'm finishing, I promise. Just kidding. Sister Kimberly, um, I think y'all went to like the same store where my sister and you had somehow, y'all interacted with this person at the same store, some creative store because, you know, these artsy people. And, uh, and, you know, this was, I think, recently after Bishop was on TV. And uh, so my sister went in there, and she told me later how the lady asked her about, you know, our church. I'm probably getting this messed up. She asked about the church, and Hannah was like, yes, that's my, that's, that's my father. She did. Three snaps in a Z formation. But somehow, Sister Kimberly um, somehow the lady knew Sister Kimberly and knew Hannah. So anyway, uh, she mentioned Kimberly. And so Hannah talked to Sister Kimberly. And if you know Sister Kimberly, you can see and hear her say this. You know, when the lady brought up, because it, it was, you know, it's an area of controversy. I did not get on Facebook and read what people were saying, but people are ugly. But they don't know that there's a spirit behind that. And they're giving into that. And Sister Kimberly told my sister, when that lady brought it up, she said, oh, no, they were lying on my bishop. <laughs> and you can, if, if you know Sister Kimberly, you can see her and you can hear her saying that. The enemy is going to try to have you be ashamed of this church. The enemy is going to try to have you be ashamed of this man of God. But you need to make up your mind. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I will not be ashamed of a bishop that will lay hands on the sick. He's using wisdom and he's making sure his hands clean. But that's what the Bible says. And so I will not be ashamed to call you my man of God when he's doing what the word says. I will not be ashamed of the label of being a tongue talker and a holy roller. I will not be ashamed of still saying God still heals. I will not be ashamed of the fact that we lift our hands and we come up to the front and we give our hands to worship. I will not be ashamed of what we're going and what we're doing. I have felt like, now this is not necessarily biblical, so I'm not trying to manipulate the scriptures to say this, but the scripture does say in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 about how the weapons of our warfare, they're not, they're not carnal. And there's that song that says, I'm forgetting the song. Oh, the weapons we use. The weapons we use are not bombs and guns. Worship 
is the way that the battle is won. It's not just worship. We have learned in this church because we get fed from the man of God who breaks down scriptures. And I will not be ashamed of a man of God who takes time to make sure he's breaking down the word the right way. Worship is the way that the battle is won. Prayer is the way that the battle is won. Speaking the word is the way that the battle is won. Submission is the way that the battle is won. The altar in the Old Testament was a place of sacrifice. It was a place of killing. It was gory. They had to give up their animals for certain sacrifices. But we don't have a physical altar anymore. But there are churches that are ashamed to have an open altar and they've taken their altars and they've locked them up and they've shut them down and, and you cannot come to the front and worship. And God forbid in a pandemic, they look at our numbers and, and they see the people when they come up during praise and worship and people want to point and they want to talk about it. God has your number. But I don't know, I don't know of someone who is so sick in their body that they get desperate enough that they're going to go to a hospital that's closed. It may be a hospital that's in the bad side of town, but if it's open, they'll be there because they're desperate and they want to be healed. That's what this church is. We will not be ashamed to shut our doors. We will not be ashamed to close down our altars. This is a war zone, and we've come to fight here. Let the enemy know, I will stake my claim. I will stake my territory. I will not be ashamed of the gospel and where we stand. Can you let your worship tell the enemy? Can you let your dance? The enemy would try to stop you and try to make you feel embarrassed for stepping out. Try to make you feel embarrassed for being here. Try to make you embarrassed for being associated with this church and this man of God and this way of life. But I will not. ashamed. If I've got to give it all up, 
If I've got to look evil in the eyes of the world, I will not. Can you just worship the Lord? I am not ashamed of this truth. I am not ashamed of proclaiming the name 